Welcome to the Transformation Talks podcast, in-depth conversations on transformation with Rajiv Dingra, founder and CEO of RDNX Network. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Transformation Talks. We have another edition here for you. And today we have an exciting, exciting guest uh, from the U.S. Uh, we have Sudha Jamte, who is the CEO of IOTDisruptions.com, a globally recognized technology futurist at the junction of IOT, AI, and autonomous vehicles. She is phenomenally interesting because she has more than 20 years of uh, digital transformation experience from building innovation and growth organizations, shaping new technology ecosystems, and mentoring leaders at eBay, PayPal, Harcourt, and GTE. Uh, she's also a teacher because she teaches autonomous vehicle business and AI courses at Stanford Continuing Studies and BusinessSchoolofAI.com and AIX Design and AI Ethics courses at Barcelona Technology School. She's also an author of, of a book called 2030, The Driverless World, about the junction of autonomous cars and cognitive IoT, three IoT books, AIX, uh, about designing artificial intelligence. She has also been a venture mentor at MIT and director at Bay Area, Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, and Google Plus meetups. As a respected technology futurist, she is respected thought leader and contributor to TechCrunch, Axios, TechTarget, Mashable, GigaOM in the past, VentureBeat, and Huffington Post. It's my pleasure and honor to welcome Sudha to the Transformation Talks. Sudha, welcome to Transformation Talks. Thank you, Rajiv. Thank you so much. I'm so excited. And uh, I heard a long version of my bio after a long time. I hope I'm going to live up to that. Uh, I'm sure you will. And we are excited to have you. And, and let's dive right into it. You know, I mean, there's just so much of buzz and uh, talk about AI and artificial intelligence taking over the world uh, and, you know, making people jobless and whatnot. Uh, let's before we look ahead, let's look back. You know, uh, we've, we've come across a very interesting decade, uh, which some might call as the decade to be remembered, where uh, AI really started impacting the world, the decade between 2010 and 2020, or at least AI started showing in, in various physical things as well, in some form or the other. Uh, what's, what's your view on the evolution of AI over the last decade? So the, the pundits who have been working on AI would argue that AI has been here. If you pick up computer vision, people would say, hey, that's been around for 60 years. For every aspect of AI, there is uh, repeat models and improvements. But I look at AI not just as an evolution, but as a revolution because as a technology futurist, I have a simple metric. If something is going to create jobs, new jobs, and is going to create new businesses, then that's the next wave of technology. So in that sense, I look at AI as a new revolution because it has arrived. And the reason I would look at AI as a new thing today, not just another continuation of research from the past, is because of two big factors. One is we need huge processing power 
to process data to train AI. And we have GPUs that has evolved over the last five years, I would say. And so that is making AI more accessible to lot of researchers, lot of data scientists, lot of businesses. Even my favorite topic of autonomous vehicles, we can process data in the car because we can embed GPUs in the car. The second factor is data itself. There was only so much data available by which AI models could be built. So the research was kind of stagnant in many different areas. We still have narrow AI, which is AI which solves a specific problem today. But we have a lot of narrow AI in every possible industry, and AI has become pervasive. And the reason for that is because we have connected devices everywhere, and every IoT, Internet of Things device, is spewing data. So we have cameras everywhere, which is creating images. We have data from industry, businesses waking up saying, hey, we have huge volume of data. We didn't know we could use that to go build AI. Now, what business problem can it solve for me? So data and the change in and uh, innovation in chip industry leading to GPUs I, and the computer processing power, I think are the two main drivers that has actually brought AI to us today where it is pervasive, touching every possible industry, every wake of life. That's very interesting. You talk about processing power and data being the two key factors, uh, the growth in both of them sort of culminating into uh, creating artificial intelligence into this, this, this powerful tool uh, that uh, further improves uh, many aspects of uh, business uh, elements and, and so on. But uh, what do CXOs, you know, CXOs who come from management backgrounds, finance background, and some maybe from technology backgrounds, but I would, I would like to believe that number is, is, is small uh, even today. Uh, those who even come from technology backgrounds for them to understand AI and its applications for their uh, businesses, which could be a bank, which could be a, a, a manufacturing setup, which could be a retail, uh, different kind of large businesses. What, what do CXOs need to focus on when thinking about AI and its applications in business today? How do they, they start their strategic thinking process today? when they are thinking about AI and its applications in business? That's a fantastic question. Because technology, however exciting it is, is an enabler. So technology by itself is not going to do anything. Technology can go build applications and apps and, and show something in a pilot mode. But then for it to really scale, it has to solve a business problem. So uh, the short answer is CXOs need to look at AI and they must be hearing about it in everywhere and they must have devices that are maybe, you know, smart home devices and, and even this AI in our mobile phones. When they are exposed to AI, the question they have to ask is, what business problem can it solve for me? Can it give me a strategic edge? And fundamentally, businesses are thinking, hey, can we reduce cost? Can we increase revenues? Or can we strategically go to a whole new market or extend to a new product and expand our business to the next billion dollar business? So I think they need to stay focused on that with AI, like with any other technology. It becomes more challenging with AI because it, though it's been around for a while and I said it's a revolution, there is still a lot of uh, unknown about AI and there's a lot of talent gap. So uh, our CXO would feel comfortable 
about bringing AI into their company only when they have trusted people from their management ranks who know what they're doing about AI and can say this would be the ROI of this investment. That is not quite transparent today. And so the second piece they need to focus on, I would say, other than focusing on what business problem they can solve, is actual talent development. Because AI is not built by just the data scientist or just by a vendor walking in and saying, hey, I have this AI that can actually help you speed up your hiring process or, in, or this would actually improve your supply chain efficiency. They have to actually have internal talent who would know how to apply AI so they can get business results. So that's the, the second piece. And when I say talent development, it's not just about hiring people from outside because being a new industry, new, new field, there's a lot of people who are getting into the field, but they might not have the experience and experienced people can make the transition. So my focus is on helping businesses actually look at people internally for talent development and help people on the business side learn how they can apply AI to their business. And so talent development, I would say, is one, and they need to make sure that everybody across the company actually understands AI. Recently, there was a, a research asking uh, people in companies um, about you know, who actually works on AI in the company. And it was, a, it was amazing because it was almost a magical number, like 11, 11%. 11% um, of CF, uh, CFOs said they were interested, 7% of uh, you know, CXO, overall range, everybody said they did. 7% of director and level said they were in charge. 11% of technologists, uh, the developers actually thought they were responsible. 11% of marketing people thought they were responsible. So it was kind of very interesting that everybody thought they were bringing AI into the company. The reason being that it's pervasive, so it's kind of you know flowing into the company, not just top down or bottom up. It's kind of porous, and AI is in every job function. So that means everybody in the company need to be trained in AI with a strategic focus on what the company wants to do and start towards common goals towards that. That's that's very interesting. Also, uh, you know. What what I understand from what you're saying is that uh, the uh, the possibilities of what's uh, possible with the AI technology of today and what's not possible that is one kind of understanding, and the second is the vertical uh, business knowledge that talent has, uh, uh, using that to mix with what's possible and what's not possible with uh, AI technology. That combination uh, becomes uh, uh, critical. Uh, and that could come from anywhere, right? Because uh, understanding of business uh, at different levels is different in an organization, right? Uh, yeah. From that perspective. Uh, so we are is, going is to... That make yes, yes. Um, I hope you can cut this piece since I interrupted you. No worries, no worries. Go, go ahead. Yeah. That's a very, very beautiful point. Um, we spoke about how, they, that, how AI is a revolution today because of data. And we are going through this change in companies where things are not happening just top down or bottom up. We are going through this circular, what's called a circular economy, where everybody has access to data. So marketing department would have access to customer data. What channels did they reach customers? What is working? That kind of thing. 
sales would have their own uh, data related to top customers and sales pipeline and product development would have information about what's working in the product and what they need to improve so everybody and then customer service of course and you know a lot of different operational groups are going to have different uh, uh, access to different kind of data so the enterprise data is typically siloed and we are kind of used to that and there are guardians of that data in different departments so now when ai has to be trained using data it can start from anywhere so marketing departments are looking at it saying hey how can i actually use our data to improve our existing processes if i want to send a coupon out what is the best channel by which this customer is going to engage better is as simple as a problem that they are caring about only in in marketing but they have data for it and they can get an ai to look at that and if they want to and, and sales is saying okay who are our top 100 customers that we need to target and go launch this new st- sales strategy they're going to have data for it and they can build their own ai for it and so same thing with customer service this chatbots uh, that customer service departments are are building uh, using nlp or natural language processing so they can reduce the the wait time for customers so every department is looking at the data they have they are hearing about the potential of what ai can do for them and either in house there are data scientists or there are vendors who are coming and technology vendors who are saying hey we have this ai product that can solve this problem for you so ai is permeating into the organization from every every direction and so that is why we need talent development across the board because i believe in personal leadership of people especially for innovation to manage the complexity to to drive digital transformation is done by individuals in various different departments inside companies and so ai lends itself beautifully giving everybody an opportunity you want to work on something meaningful you want to go make the transformation you don't have to wait for your for a, a sponsor at the highest level to come and fund you bless you to go make that happen you can actually build a small pilot with ai to show proof of concept and then you can scale it across the company that's very very interesting and and it's funny how we talk about technology digital transformation ai and it all boils down to people at the end of yeah. it which is phenomenal yeah uh, let's let's move ahead and talk about a little more uh, interesting uh, not just a concept but a reality of today and and what you believe is having immense potential as a reality of tomorrow for business which is no code ai can you uh, throw some light on what no code ai is and and what are its likely applications uh, today in business and and uh, you know just a peek into the future uh, before we move on to you know uh, giving getting more views on the future on uh, no code ai from you but tell us where it is today what is no code ai and where it is today and what's its potential so there is a whole movement uh, about no code low code that's going on that is bigger than no code ai i'm not going to talk about the bigger phenomena altogether i'm focusing on ai so i'm going to talk about no code ai as the name indicates no code ai is about building ai without any code and it's not a surprise because ai is built using data so if you have enough data you can go build ai we just don't have the tools available mainstream for anybody to just go build no code so the first thing with no code is you don't need code you need to solve a business problem if you have the data there are many platforms for that 
I want to take a step back to get our audience uh, to an understanding of where this no code came from will help them understand to see its potential and to know where it is going. So AI was built by engineers and data scientists. Say so these are statisticians, mathematicians who build models using data. And they build these models using data, but they, they actually coded it using Python or, or Java or, or R. And so it was in the realm of the engineer and they built models. And the model is expected to solve a business problem. So there is a gap between the data scientist and the engineers and on the business people on the other side. The business person wants to solve a problem. They want to reduce a customer churn. They have data for it. Now, how do you convert that into a model to an AI that will actually solve their problem. And there was a gap. So that is where initially there were a uh, lot of different pilots and 85% and of AI pilots began failing. And so what the data scientists started doing was the business people would come to them and they will iterate and, and repeat this and say, okay, we got this model. It's not quite working. Let's improve this. And so the data scientists started automating their work. So they would build a model. It might not meet the customer's need. And so they would say, okay, it's not performing to enough efficiency. So let's improve the model. Let's try a different model. And so they started something called AutoML, which is automated machine learning. So essentially, they automated the process of model building so that you can take a data, understand what the business problem you're trying to solve at some high level, and then build variety of different models to see which model is performing better. And so that's how it started. So today, all the big tech companies, like um, I think Google started AutoML, and then we have AutoML from uh, Microsoft, from IBM, several different companies. So that's what was the foundation of what was called no-code, no-code AI. And startups in that place who are creating easy platforms and saying, hey, we have this no-code AI platform and business user come feed your data and we can give you an AI model. So it's a SaaS-based model where you feed data and, this, and they spit out an AI uh, on the cloud and you can call the AI and it will solve your problem, make decisions for you. It's as simple as that. And it's oversimplified with a pretty UI and is sold to the business users today. So we are seeing how AutoML was started to automate machine learning because the data scientists were in demand and they wanted to not just keep repeating the same model building exercise. And now it has come to a place where there are companies who are catering to specific business users and giving them a nice user interface to make this happen. So I teach a course on uh, no-code AI uh, at uh, Business School of AI. And uh, I show them, I try to be very brand agnostic so I show them uh, taking the same data set to solve the same problem using at least two platforms, two no-code AI platforms at the same time. So there's one called Akio, which is a simple UX-driven no-code AI platform. And, and of course, there's IBM AutoML and the like. And today, even on the phone, you can build machine learning models. And uh, Apple has one called CreateML. So all of them are essentially giving a tool. Think of this as like when we had SAP or Salesforce came in and allowed the business users to go focus on solving a business problem instead of coding. Correct. It's similar to, to that. Me, yeah. 
Yeah, to me, it sounds more like you're using AI to build AI, so as to say. Yes, in, in, yes. In one way or another, right? Yeah. Uh, 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 it sounds like you you to to solve the problems of AI models. You said let's build an AI that solves that uh, problem of creating AI models, and yeah. then give it to the customers, uh, so as to say. Very very interesting and and amazingly. Uh, easy to understand uh, uh, description. May I say, Sudha, of uh, uh, no code AI. Uh, wow. So now that we are at the, you know, this is still early days, right? I mean, you you say there are a handful of auto ML that are out there that are working and making sense. I'm sure they don't work for everything uh, out there. There are certain use cases that they work for. There is some, uh, you know, data that needs to be uh, fed to them. Uh, uh, from a business problem perspective, it's not magic, uh, but uh, it is starting to happen. What do you think are the likely candidates of disruption uh, in the near future? Which industries where no-code AI could play a major part? Uh, what's your uh, view on this? So, before I answer the industries questions, um, I want to take a step back. So, as a futurist, I'm always as a technology futurist, I'm looking at any trend, and I do not want to, especially I write books, so my books are there. I wrote one called uh, IoT Disruptions 2020, and in 2020, you can open the book and see what I said five years back. And I've written one on 2030 about autonomous vehicle, and you can look at that in 2030 to see whether you know my prediction is right. So I'm always looking to benchmark myself to reality. And so with that lens, AI is very big. AI is many things. So I would narrow it to three different technologies of AI, uh, which is machine learning, computer vision, and natural language processing, or NLP, are the three areas where we are seeing the fastest growth. That is because of the potential business applications. And I want to take a step back to help the business user understand their power. When you say no-code AI, it oversimplifies it as if you feed data and, the AI, and you get an AI solution. If you want to reduce customer churn problem, as I was talking about, there are many different ways of solving customer churn based on the type of business and what stage of the business you are, what data you have about the customer. And that is a business problem. So I'm excited about no-code AI because it gives the power in the hands of the, the business user. So you want to solve a business problem, stay focused on the business problem. So let me give you an example. So in my, um, in my class, which I teach online, right? So uh, we have these business professionals who act, work together in a multicultural, multi um, disciplinary team setting. So there would be a product manager, there would be a BD person, there would be some business growth person, there would be a data engineer. All of them come together, a team of five or six people and, and global mix of people also across industries come together to solve a business problem. What is fascinating for me is I can teach them here is no code AI and this is what you do with data, go solve a problem. But then the way it happens in real industry is many people come together, right? There are many stakeholders who have conflicting right. interests and they would say, hey, this is how we need to solve the problem or this is too expensive. This is not the right thing. There would be discussions, right? Pluralistic discussions. 
And so what we do is we take a real business problem from a real customer with real data and then put the students through the exercise to solve it. So what, is, uh, what comes out of it is uh, we recently did one, uh, let me give you an example. So we recently did one where we said we want to increase revenues from a conference. And, and we focus not on the sponsor side, but on the ticket side. So it's simple, increase revenues from users. And they have data of their past conferences. Now, when students go through the exercise, the way AI understands, because AI is the, and even the no-code AI platform is going to understand only what an AI would understand. So it understands only data. So it has only rows and columns. What is the meaning of those rows and columns only the business person would know? So when you take a business problem and you try to build an AI from it, you need to bring it to a, pro a problem statement with what is input and what is output in such a way that the AI understands. So essentially, the business user is not writing code, but they're taking their data, taking their problem, and changing the data to a language that the AI understands. Only then they can apply no code. So what happened with the increasing user revenue problem is our, use, our students went through this exercise and said, hey, we can increase ticket price. So you, so you double the ticket price, you double the revenue. But then why would the customer pay for it? Double the, double the ticket price. So you need to give them extra value, maybe new content, and that's going to cost extra. Or you could say, who are these users? Who are our top users who are loyally coming back to us? And maybe we could open a limited registration and get them signed up first. So to understand that users, AI can tell you who has a propensity to sign and go through your entire list of customer base and pick the top set of customers. And sales wants this all the time, right? Whenever they start off instead of acquiring new users. The other thing is you could have a new customer acquisition strategy and say, I want to profile the set of customers who are my loyal customers, understand what in their demographics tells me that they would buy such a product. And based on that, I want to get a lookalike set of customers. So that model would be called a lookalike model. And to understand that, you can say what demographics, what features in their behavior enables them to come back to buy this product, which is essentially three different ways of looking at this. So this translates to three different AI problems. So when you go to a data scientist and you say, I want you to increase my revenue, they won't be able to run an AI model. But if you say, I want to, I want to find 100 more customers who look like this set of customers, they will be able to do a lookalike model. Or right. they, the same uh, thing for all the three different models we talked about. So that is and can be done only by a business user which, with, who has business acumen on that business. So initially we spoke about talent development and, and how everybody in the company is going to uh, need to learn AI and business users need to go make that happen. And that is where I'm going with this. So instead of just saying magically this industry can solve it, I believe everybody in the company in every different job has the knowledge of the business. And if they understand how they can build AI, meaning how to translate a business problem into a problem statement, focus and translate it in a language that data science understands it, they can go build AI. So I wanted to say that before we go off into the futuristic limb. Now coming into where... We, this has higher potential than others. So 
a lot of ai is used in automation using computer vision looking at uh, images and seeing you know um, uh, predicting uh, fault fault detection uh, all kinds of things there's a lot of data that uh, that is churned using uh, computer vision uh, or in uh, machine learning to go understand customer behavior based on that marketing and and sales can use that better or or generally optimization for supply chain as i mentioned earlier on so these are typical applications so i would say supply chain logistics transportation i think is a huge area where this it's driven by data so businesses so instead of naming industries i would say industries which have data and they are used to data are the ones who would benefit from ai the fastest because it's not just about hey i want to do ai and somebody get me a ai model and i'll build with it ai is done because some you would have a base model that can recognize images but whether it can recognize your parts so that you can actually find defects is something that only the company can do the the modeling the same thing with any kind of uh, any kind of raw data or any kind of customer service data that kind of thing so the i would say Sounds. sorry i want to uh, yeah, go, go ahead <laughs> so one thing i would say is uh, companies have to go through a readiness whether they are ready for ai and that is done only when they are ready with data in a form that is ready across silos to actually go build ai so industries that are data ready is transportation logistics manufacturing supply chain and department wise across the board i would say marketing and customer service are very data driven and so a lot of marketing automation is is being done using ai that was across that's many in, that's 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 phenomenal and I, i i love that you talk about marketing and advertising because i come from that background as well and i i can see where you're going with it it also makes me wonder whether you know ai is it, the future for ai is going to be like a calculator on an excel sheet it will almost be uh, so omnipresent that you it would lose its uh, how would i say uh, charm that it has today uh, of this fascinating tool that solves a lot of problems uh, you know uh, it it seems to me uh, more like a tool like excel where you know there are there's so many things that you can do with excel you just need to know how to use it uh, it it sounds like that am am i wrong in 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 you know simplifying uh, the role of ai and the way you have explained it no i think that is very beautifully put because in the end every technology is a tool is an enabler but technology goes through certain waves as we find applications so excel didn't start with excel right there were many precursors to excel there was lotus 1 2 3 and a lot more before when people were trying to figure out oh we can get numbers in in rows and columns now we can organize them to actually do all these other applications and so they had to organically go through that the beauty of technology today is that is happening at a much more accelerated pace and so yes there is a hype around ai as if ai comes and magically solves the problem and to listening business users you're the one who are going to solve the business problem and ai becomes your your tool but the tools are not readily available like an excel out there so there's an opportunity to go build those build those 
and there's a bunch of verticalization that's happening across across functions so there are uh, companies who are saying okay we give you no code ai so business people can solve problems but for hr or for legal or for marketing people so it's across industry across job function uh, that is happening so we don't have those ready tools so till that ready tool happens we can't just say it's like excel yet but the beauty of of being innovators is we get to make that happen so when we focus on specific business problem we want to solve with what we have today no code ai allows you to go make that happen faster so you don't need to wait for somebody to make that excel equivalent for you and you can start building it with whatever no code ai tool is available out there to solve your business problem and yes eventually we will get to a place where it is like excel or you know or word or anything like that right so it's just a tool and you start going focusing on your business and go make things happen for your customers very very fascinating i i, I you know you you've been one for predictions right you've written a book uh, <laughs> uh, for 2030 what's your big prediction for no code ai in 2030 uh, what 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 do you think uh, is is the most probable scenario uh, that we will see in a business context uh, with no code ai by 2030 so one is in uh, leading up to 2030 no code ai is going to bring business users into ai so we cannot achieve the full potential of ai with just data scientist creating model because it it's not solving business problem till the business person comes in and says this is how i want to solve this problem and here's the data now let's go build the model so it's a collaboration between data science and business users that's lacking in the 85% of pilots that's failing so that's the number one where that chasm between the the tech and non tech or the the coders and non coders that's expanding today that's going to go down because of no code ai and more and more business users are going to get into ai the second big thing is when we start building we didn't talk about it so far we were talking about no code ai as a business phenomena when we are looking at data if the data is biased if the data is leaving segments of users out it is going to cause business risk so ai ethics i see is a very important area that is evolving and as the business users are coming into the into the fold to build ai they're questioning hey this is working as a technology but it's not working for my set of customers or this is actually going to create a business risk and we are going to get sued on this so uber had a case where uber driver sued uber because they used an ai model to rate that driver and the driver challenged that and the company could not say how the ai made the decision because the ai was not transparent so it was not explainable so ai has to become more transparent explainable all that will have operationally happen in a company only when more and more business people get into the into the making of the ai part so that's the first big change i see it's not a it's not a here and now phenomena it's a transition say may, maybe over the next 5 years and and during that time i see no code ai not uh, it's hype today and it's it's great because it it's a nice tool to get started but i see that like we are, you were saying ai is just going to be like excel it's going to be another technology enabler no code ai i believe 
from what I've seen of technology industry in the past is going to help create a layer of technology like the many excels needed to make AI happen. And it's not going to be just one no-code AI. It's going to be a layer of enterprise tech that is for the business users to make AI work for them. So I see that the, the fad or the whole excitement of no-code AI or the category of neo-code AI is not going to be called as no-code AI by 2030. It is going to be called by many names, but it's going to be a layer of technology as an enabling technology that becomes a tool for the business users to go build and use AI. That is absolutely fascinating, Sudha. And, and honestly, uh, this conversation can just go on and on uh, <laughs> uh, because there's just so much to talk about this field, you know, but, uh, you know, in, in, in summary, I think what we've, we've talked about today is how talent is the prime reason and also the prime cause of advancement in technology, uh, yeah. be it AI or any other thing and how talent will also be uh, uh, the, the thing that we need to develop uh, for us to further advance on AI and no code AI, so as to say. Uh, the other thing that that we discussed and understood is that you know uh, the way you know no code AI is nothing but using AI to create an AI model, so as to say. And in that context, how the vertical understanding of business uh, is so critical, uh, and and business acumen is is equally or even more important to make sure that AI actually works in the right way for you, uh, uh, and and. And it's not this black box or this this magic word that suddenly makes everything more intelligent. Uh, it's it's actually uh, brings everybody back to the basics, right? You need to have business acumen. You need to have great people. Uh, you need to uh, have those people apply themselves to solve a problem with the use of technology, uh, which is AI in this case. Uh, uh, phenomenal. Uh, I think we've, we've had a great conversation. So that I, I really appreciate and thank you for your time. I'm sure our listeners are going to thoroughly enjoy this conversation. Thank you so much. I look forward to follow-ups. They can connect with me on LinkedIn or find me on Business School of AI. And I hope uh, I get to hear back from them on the amazing AI uh, problems that they're going to solve and hopefully they'll use no code AI or go shape that whole ecosystem to make it move into its next evolution. Thank you so much, Rajiv. Thanks for listening to the transformation talks podcast hosted by Rajiv Dingra founder and CEO of RDNX network. Tune in next week for another interesting episode. Thank you.